This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Monday, June 13th, 2022. I'm Kellen Walker. Jamie's out today. Today on the show, Jeep is ready to go electric in Europe, but not so fast in the U.S. Wholesale used cars got a bit cheaper in the first quarter. An EV truck startup, Electric Last Mile, files for bankruptcy. Plus, Ytricity CEO Alex Gruzin talks about Siemens' new $25 million strategic investment in the company to help boost wireless EV charging technology. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Jeep will soon be out with an all-electric lineup in Europe, but it's less clear when Jeep will move away from gasoline engines and make that transition in its most important market, the U.S., Jeep plans to stop selling internal combustion vehicles in most major European markets at the end of the year. Jeep's parent company, Stellantis, plans for EVs to make up half of its sales in North America by the end of the decade. That's a number that Jeep CEO Christian Mounier isn't sure the region could support today. He says he has concerns about the toll the growing number of EVs could take on power grids. Wholesale used vehicle prices fell slightly through the first four months of the year. That's a possible indication that the wholesale market might be returning to something that looks almost normal. Elevated prices last year were a big pain point for dealers who are dependent on auctions for cars and trucks. Wholesale prices grew modestly for about eight weeks in a row this year. That's a pattern that we usually see during the spring season as consumers spend their tax refunds on new rides. But now that the market is past that window, prices could smooth out even more. It looks like the end of the road for EV truck startup Electric Last Mile Solutions. The Michigan-based company says it plans to liquidate through a Chapter 7 bankruptcy. That decision comes one year after Electric Last Mile went public and just four months after both its CEO and chairman resigned. The filing will make Electric Last Mile the first of the EV startups that merge with special purpose acquisition companies to go out of business amid the recent market slump. Last month, the company had warned it might run out of cash within weeks its shares have fallen 93% this year, closing last week at 51 cents. And a major trucker strike in South Korea is causing issues for automakers, including Hyundai. The Cargo Truckers Solidary Union is protesting against soaring fuel prices and is demanding minimum pay guarantees. Four rounds of negotiations with the government have failed to find a compromise. The union is now considering blocking shipments of coal to a power plant if the government rejects their demands. That's according to a senior trade union official. The strike is now in its seventh day. It has already forced Hyundai to cut production at some assembly lines. 
And those are today's headlines coming up. Why Tricity CEO Alex Gruzin talks about Siemens' new $25 million strategic investment to help his company build and implement wireless charging for electric vehicles. That's next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing. 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. The idea of charging your car might be a point of anxiety for potential new EV buyers. The U.S. government and automakers are trying to make all of that less confusing. But what if all you had to do to charge your EV was park it and walk away? That's exactly what the folks at Ytricity are working on. They think wireless charging is the future. And they got a big boost last week. German tech giant Siemens announced it's making a $25 million strategic investment in Ytricity to advance wireless charging. Ytricity CEO Alex Gruzin spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on the latest Shift podcast about the investment and what it means for the future of EV charging. He says it's an exciting day for the company. Here's part of that conversation. Siemens uh, has made a, a real sort of strategic anchor investment uh, in Ytricity. Um, couldn't be more pleased to have them as a partner with us in growing this business. And we're gonna be collaborating with them around the world in driving deployment of wireless charging infrastructure. Uh, and uh, I, I think that that is a, a, a strong statement about sort of the future of this business and the role of the electricity's technology is going to play in the sort of the future of mobility and electrification. And for us, you know, we are a U.S.-based company in the Boston area. You know, our roots came out of inventions at MIT, but we've been building automotive solutions for over a decade. And to be able to partner with a company like Siemens to accelerate global deployment of infrastructure and in support of OEMs uh, and charge point operators and fleets uh, is uh, really a, a big step for us. And I think we'll give automakers confidence 
that as they plan out their vehicles, that the infrastructure will be in place that's common, that's standardized, you know, and interoperable. When I think of Siemens footprint across the globe, I think of public transit in a lot of ways, trains, buses, uh, that sort of thing. Do you see this coming to market then in, in public transit or commercial applications first versus say a personal car charging pad? Uh, well, I think it's both, both are happening in parallel, right? I mean, as, as I said, like we have, we've already launched, you know, with OEMs around the world and many more to come. Uh, even, even within 2022, there are more launches planned. Um, so the passenger vehicle is happening and the commercial vehicle development, whether that's, you know, last mile vans, middle mile trucks, shuttles or transit buses are, are a really great opportunity for electricity technology. I, I think the way to think about wireless charging uh, technology from electricity is that it's kind of like a designing an internal combustion engine, right? I mean, you can design a system, you could design an engine for an economy car that has a 95 horsepower, or you could design an engine that has 400 horsepower for a sports car. So uh, with electricity technology, you can design a system to be sort of optimized for level two charging, that the kind of charging you would do day to day in your home or your parking spot, which is like 35 miles of range per hour. Or you can design a system for 50 kilowatts or 75 kilowatts or more to go into a heavy duty commercial vehicle. Right, same technology, you just design it for a different power level. And so uh, we are scaling our solutions up to those higher power levels for those commercial vehicles. I'm curious for electric vehicles that are already on the road, can they be retrofitted for wireless charging if they don't have the capability today? Yeah, we've already demonstrated that. In fact, we, you know, if you, you go to our website, you can see videos of our Tesla Model 3 that we've retrofitted. I call it upgraded, <laughs> right? Um, and uh, we plan uh, to bring our electricity halo solutions to existing vehicles, both as a kind of a uh, yeah, sort of a new experience for the existing car owners, but also as a part of enabling fleets. Yeah, and so we're still developing those solutions, but but I should say like the core of our business is working directly with OEMs to design in factory installed solutions. Alex, I'm curious, uh, how did wired charging kind of take off first here? I know that wireless has been around for a while and that you've licensed some technology or acquired technology from Qualcomm. Uh, how did we wind up at, you know, where we are here in 2022 is in terms of wired being what what most people are accustomed to. Give me a bit of a history lesson. Well, I think that that's, that's sort of normal. You know, the, the, the plug-in chargers are where it began. You know, when they began, like every region of the world had a different connector and cable and standard. Uh, and so, you know, electricity showed up with uh, sort of automotive-focused solutions in the 2009-2010 timeframe and started uh, working with the SAE to get to a standard. Right, so as, as I said, to, so we could go forward, have a common approach to wireless charging across all vehicles. So it made a ton of progress, and now we're at you know the first products commercially launching. But to me, it's it's no different than what I experienced earlier in my career. I mean, if I look back twenty years, 
I was leading the world's number one notebook computer business at Hewlett Packard, uh, right when Wi-Fi really showed up on the scene. You know, and and for those as old as I am who've lived it, you know, you'd walk into a conference room and there were a mess of blue Ethernet cables sitting uh, on the conference room table. We all walk in with our notebooks and plug in, but. You know, I can't tell you like how fast we went from that being the norm to within say about three years, I could not sell a notebook that didn't have Wi-Fi built in, right? It just, once people saw it and experienced it, there was no going back, right? Like IT departments didn't want Wi-Fi anywhere. So we would like put in our rogue hotspots and IT people would like chase them down to try to find them. And finally they relented because the consumers all of us just said, no, I, I need Wi-Fi. And at that time, we were spending like 150, 200 bucks to buy a Wi-Fi card to stick into our notebook. And in three years, couldn't sell a notebook that didn't have it built in. So every technology that can go wireless, I believe, goes wireless. And so within this EV charging space, we're doing all the exact same things. Get a standard done. Get the architecture set get the first products, which I would say are the sort of the first viable products built, start consolidating the components, taking cost out, making it smaller and making it pervasive, right? So we are doing everything now. I'm seeing it happen within Whitricity and at our tier one partners and at the OEMs that you've seen in any other technology that has gone wireless in the past. And you mentioned this earlier and I wanted to loop back to it. There's a very particular customer that who this would be highly advantageous as people with disabilities. Uh, and there's a lot of early discussion right now about how is someone who, you know, who's in a wheelchair supposed to get out of the car, figure out how to, how and where to plug their vehicle in. And, uh, and, and this would be an immediate and powerful solution for someone like that. Yeah. Well, look, uh, it, it, it's, it would be a ridiculous shame if uh, anyone who had a disability can't take advantage of this fantastic transition to electrification. And, and the truth of what we're seeing out there is that you know, public charging infrastructure is not being built in a way that's friendly to people with disabilities, whether it's how you have to reach for the, the cable and connector, um, how you have to bring it to your car, uh, the need to go to a touchscreen, but you're in a wheelchair, or, or even more directly just the chargers being set behind the curve, behind these big protective bollards and really out of reach. So it, it is one of the things we're most inspired by is some of our uh, conversations with customers about how wireless charging could change all of that. That you just park the car and start charging. You don't ever have to think about it again, right? And you just drive away again without having to return a cable to a charger. So along with that, all of the, the future expectations we have about billing and connectivity uh, and authorization of the charge will happen wirelessly. So you, know, you do hear about this new push for plug-in charge, right? There's, a, there's an ISO standard called uh, 1511.8 and there is the equivalent for wireless. So, you know, the vehicle will authenticate itself to the charger and authorize and, and, bill, and take care of billing. You can just park uh, and not have to worry about it. 
So all of these things, I think, come in together to deliver, you know, for, for people with disabilities, the ultimate experience uh, and, and allow them to take advantage of the, the push to electrification. I think all those same things are equally fantastic for, you know, for all customers. Tricity CEO Alex Gruzen spoke with our own Pete Bigelow on Automotive News's Shift podcast. You can hear the full interview wherever podcasts are available. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Jamie will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV charging infrastructure, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.